This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today, Dispatch Live is talking to... This is Kim Smalley from the Automotive Learning Academy. I'm currently the managing director there, and our business is the commercial partner to the Mercedes-Benz Learning Academy out on Settlers Way. And how long have you been involved in this business, Kim? So our our business is an interesting one because although I've been doing this work for 22 years now, the Automotive Learning Academy was actually the brainchild of the enterprise development team at Mercedes-Benz, and we have just had our fifth birthday on the 1st of October. So we went from being an enterprise development initiative to being a supplier and now a business partner uh, to the Learning Academy. You've also been involved in the Bordekai Chamber of Business for some time. Yes, Ted, we, you know, we're at the stage of our career where we need to start thinking about succession and handing over the baton. And I think I'm um, personally in the stage of my career where I want to give back. So we volunteer our, organi- well, we volunteer our time and, and effort at the Bordekai Chamber. So the the Chamber does phenomenally good work that isn't really well positioned or well known by, by many people, and it's pretty well structured. We've got multiple working committees on different topics in, in the city. The committee that I serve on and, and I've only recently been appointed as the chairperson is the Employee Relations and Education Forum, and more recently at our AGM I've been appointed to the board. You recently had what I would imagine was one of the highlight conferences that you've ever been involved in. As a person that attended it, I would rate it as probably the finest conference I've ever been to. And that uh, thought flowed through a lot of people that were invited there. Why was it so successful? Thanks, Ted. You're very very kind to say so. I, I think that the conference... By and large, its success was two or three things. The one is that we are all ready for in-person events. Um, COVID has been a long two years for all of us. We have got more tech savvy and we've understood that we don't really need to rush around as much as we used to. And most people have become familiar with apps like Zoom and Google Meet and Teams and so forth. But at the end of the day, we're people and we need to connect and be able to look each other in the eye and and talk about different topics on our agenda. So our sense as the Earth Committee was that as opposed to having lots of small information sessions where we're feeding information to, to our member companies and SMMEs alike, we would want to host a conference in which we could meet multiple chamber mandates. So first and foremost, we wanted to share with the region the kind of work that's been done in the Border Car Chamber. Secondly, we wanted to bring value to the members who religiously contribute to the Chamber, give of their time um, and share their insights with us, but to give something back to, to those members and business partners, as Lizelle calls them. And then thirdly, to, to talk about topical issues. So our idea was that we would have conferences on an annual basis, but that the first topic we would talk about is the future of work post-COVID. The post-COVID aspect was interesting because the three speakers, and I'm going to ask you to talk about them after this, the three speakers all focused on the damage that COVID had done 
two organizations and that, as one speaker said, the genie is out of the bottle, which probably described it perfectly. Can you please take us through the speakers? Yeah, Ted. So speaking on a personal level, being in the automotive industry, continuous improvement is always a topic that's high on our, our agenda. And I felt that Dion Chang's talk spoke exactly to that, to say, okay, we've got a way of working that has always worked and not we haven't wanted to necessarily fiddle with that, but the COVID scenario forced us to look critically at how we do things and and how we could possibly improve of the, on those going forward. So do we really need to be chaining people to their desk 40 hours a week? And, and is that time spent directly linked to the outcomes that we achieve? Or is there room for a futuristic model that says you will be measured and remunerated based on output rather than time served? Had you done any work with uh, Dion's company, Flux Trends, before? Yeah, so Dion is actually a friend of the, the chamber. We we had him here some three years ago, I think, for a similar talk when automation was the topic of the day. We were talking quite a lot about the fourth industrial revolution at that time and what impact automation or the introduction of more, more machinery-based work is going to do for the future of work at that stage. And we looked specifically at, he did a fascinating talk on how machines affect work going forwards. Do they replace people or is there this happy medium of man-machine interaction going forward? Um, and it particularly struck a chord with me at that time because he was he had played some snippets of videos of automation in different disciplines, including a doctor operating a computer to perform heart surgery in which they never touched the patient. And he said, and I know you're looking at this saying, yeah, maybe in America, but not in South Africa. And then he said, this was filmed in Kritisky two days ago. So it was fascinating to hear him talk. But so the fact that we were able to invite him back again for, for a conference at the chamber and for him to share similar insights and similar trends three years down the line, I think was, uh, was on the button. His insights into productivity and the fact that people that worked at home were as productive and often more productive than they were in the office, and yet we have financial directors getting ready to cram people back into the office because the office exists and it's an asset. And the fact that perhaps we shouldn't be doing that, did that strike a chord with you? It, it did, and there were so many things that resonated with me of exper personal experiences I've, I've had in my career because, as you say, Ted, there's been massive in investment and capital investment in play, things like an office, and we don't want to see that being underutilized, but I think it has forced us to critically assess what can be done at home versus an office. It's obviously a bit more difficult in our industry because people have to be on site to assemble a car. You can't do that from the comfort of your, your dining room. But certainly, um, you know, the, the slightly higher level positions where the work is less manual in nature can be done uh, from elsewhere. But I worked for a director some years ago who, who had said to me that every Wednesday afternoon he plays golf. I said, well, in an organization that employs nearly a thousand people, don't you think that's irresponsible? What if people need you? And he had said, if I haven't set my processes 
processes and systems up correctly, so much so that I could play golf on a Wednesday afternoon without anyone, you know, without the place falling apart, I haven't done my job correctly. And I think the same could be said for what Dion is talking about with task-related work. Are you employing the person to be visible or are you employing them to deliver on a particular output? So even now, I think we struggle as managers and business owners to allow for virtual work because we expect them either to have phoned in or have logged in. And he, he made a, a you know tongue-in-cheek comment about tying your computer mouse to a cat's tail. Um, I quite enjoyed that. He also had some very good observations about the youth and the fact that in South Africa we are churning out BAs at a dizzy rate and they have no particular skill. In fact, they're not, they're not even trainable when they come out of university. And that the days of matric even are over. People could leave school in what used to be in the old days, standard eight, and is now um, grade 10, not stop education and start assembling a bunch of micro um, topics behind them. And they keep focusing on those. And the trick is for them to continually upgrade. So they can join a company, do something, link their future education to what they're doing and succeed. Yeah, this is a topic that's so close to my heart as well. So maybe with my education hat on, I'll, I'll share with you that one of the things we're discussing with the HRD Council, um, here, at least on behalf of the province, is one of the things we do here is our academic institutions are focused largely on engineering, on business management, and on agriculture. Those are the main qualifications that we offer. But there are very few businesses in the Eastern Cape who are going to employ a business management graduate with no experience. Um, so what's happening is we're churning out 10,000 students a year with nowhere for them to go. Um, and even in Mr. Lakaj's talk uh, from Mercedes-Benz, he was sharing a stat around there being over a million unemployed graduates just in the Buffalo City Metropole. That was quite staggering, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. So I think these are important topics and they're things we, we need to talk about and to include the youth in that debate. So to that end, the, the Bordekai Chamber has set up a, a youth committee where we're taking and tabling some of these, these topics. Um, but I think the thing that was really important about the point that Dion made as well is that businesses need to be more open-minded about what you need. Are you employing the person for the certificate he's got hanging on the wall or for the contribution he can make to your business? And I don't want to veer too far from the topic here, Ted, but there are things like psychometrics. A number of companies are employing now based on personality type or values fit to the organization rather than the qualification that you've got. One of the challenges we face locally uh, in the Eastern Cape, although we've got an enthusiastic, uh, solid workforce, our employment policy that often doesn't favor anything other than a matric certificate and in some organizations a post postgraduate qualification. So the thing that I particularly enjoyed out of that talk was Dion made reference to micro-credentials. Yes. As opposed to a three, four, five-year degree, you have a series of qualifications, um, almost like a toolbox where you're upgrading your tools either 
you know, like maintaining the tools that you've got or adding new tools to your toolbox, or I think he referred to it as a backpack yeah, of micro-credentials. I think his, his exact term was a digital backpack, which what? I loved. Wonderful, yeah. So so I think, I think that is the way of the future is to say what kind of jobs or what kind of multi-skilling could I participate in that will substantially increase my employability as opposed to focusing on one of the traditional careers. And I think that's an important topic for us to be taking up in the education forum. Let's just leap across to Mercedes-Benz of South Africa and your next speaker. The aspect of him moving from the style of do, don't think, has changed totally. And Mercedes-Benz is probably the best example of a really forward-thinking employee, employer, should I say. Yeah, I think, you know, MBSA is an incredibly progressive organisation and having chatted to some of my colleagues at, at the Learning Academy after the conference, they were saying how nice it was for them to hear what the future of work is and to hear from people like Cindy Square on how important it is to take care of your workforce that essentially takes care of your business, um, in that they've already, they're already talking about those topics and introducing them to their business. Tapela shared with us that they're talking about Focus Fridays on how you don't set up meetings at that particular time and you you focus on time to be creative, time to catch up with, with admin or even your own personal development. So I think for our colleagues from MBSA who were there, they were saying that was nice to see that they they walk the talk um, and and to see that they align with some of these future trends. So his, good. his point about passion and he was saying that if you can instill passion into your workers, it is far better than any anything else. Enthusiastic, chuck it away, etc. The worker must be passionate, and you can only be passionate if you're creating that passion within yourself. And then he gave us the lovely snippet of when the last uh, C-Class 205 rolled off the line, and the workers burst into song. And that was shared with Mercedes-Benz Network Worldwide. And they were getting calls. How, how did you get those guys to sing like that? And it was passion. That was it. It, it absolutely is that, that. That is a particularly incredible story because not only did the employees want to make a car for Madiba, but they did so on their own time. That was the, another aspect of it. Which was again mind blowing, incredible. So the f- the fact that not only did the organisation volunteer the equipment and materials and so forth to build a car for the father of the nation, but the employees uh, donated of their own time and personally gifted it to him. Very very powerful um, video that they've gotten, and I think if your listeners would be interested, it would be an interesting one for people to see if you haven't seen it before. Tapelo also shared two interesting stories of other organizations, Ted. The one was the Mont Blanc scenario of the employee who fills the ink and the pen and the CEO making her aware that not only does she fill the, the ink and the pen, but those pens are responsible for signing peace treaties all yeah. over the world. 
and and the lovely example of the the NASA sweeper who, when asked what they do in the organisations, he said, "I help put people in the moon, on the moon, or I help put people in space." Yeah. So uh, I think it's a very powerful message. And our final, your final speaker, our final speaker, was Cindy Square of uh, Circle and Square, who spoke at length about EQ and how EQ is now the most important thing in management. And if you can't, if you don't have natural EQ, you better study to get it and practice it. Yeah, the, I'm smiling here because the, the one thing that always strikes me is we, we're aware that we're all born with a predetermined IQ, so there's not much we can do about that. But that EQ is something that can definitely be learned and improved on and honed as, as we go along. So I think Cindy and her team, certainly from what she presented and shared with us, are doing incredible work in this space. Um, and for, for those organizations who are feel, like, feel like they're struggling or whose management teams might need a bit more input in that, that area, I think it's certainly worthwhile engaging organizations like that to find out what we can do to improve our EQ. Now the bad news for you. You've set the bar incredibly high. You had three great speakers, all with wonderful delivery styles as well. What's next? Well, Ted, we don't want to we don't want to ruin the excitement too much, but we have engaged we've engaged some um, interesting public speakers on topics such as youth employment, on on governance, on good governance, on being. Um, global citizens and part of a broader community. So we're talking to people like Dr. MTR Suleiman, we're talking to Prof. Manonsela, um, we we quite enjoy Brent Lindiki from the Good Things Guy. Um, but I think on the agenda for our next conference, which will be in the first half of next year, the topic of youth employment is an important one for us and, and one we feel passionately about at the Chamber. So we think that that'll probably be next on the agenda. But watch the space. We've got exciting things to come. Yeah, I think to say that it's quite important is probably the understatement. So South Africa might explode if we do not get youth into work. I've just come from another conference where they said we need 2 million young people employed by 2030. That's just around the corner. And linked to that, so I know that that is a presidential objective as well, and there, there's some great work being done by organisations throughout the country in this space. But again, all of these things start earlier in this value chain, and I think we need, as Lizelle mentioned at the conference, I think we need to move away from our traditional way of thinking around education and bring back talks around the dual education system, the fact that not everyone can be an academic, and more importantly, the topic of entrepreneurship. Money makes money if we want to understand how to make the economy turn and how to keep inflation down. We need to bring entrepreneurship um, higher up on the agenda. Kim Smalley, thank you very much for talking to Dispatch Live. Thank you, Ted. We appreciate the support.